Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. That is certainly the case today, where we bring to you for the very first time, Paul Kim, co-founder and CEO of Simplify Asset Management, a family of ETFs, which are options-based, creating hedges for downside protection. Paul Kim, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thanks, Charlie, and thanks, Paul, for uh, hosting me. It's great to be here. So, Paul, you're speaking to us from uh, New York. Uh, you came to... Uh, what you're doing today through an MBA from Horton and undergrad from Dartmouth, you launched and built Principles, a $3 billion ETF portfolio from the ground up. And prior to that, it was PIMCO's $20 billion ETF platform. And then you started Simplify in September of last year, 2020. I'm sure you do not miss those big bureaucracies at all uh, of those organizations. So start out and uh, give us a brief background of yours and tell us how you got to simplify. Will you, Paul? Sure. It's a long road. I've always enjoyed investing uh, ever since I was a kid. I remember uh, trying to sort of get my hands on things like Wall Street journals and reading all the Michael Lewis books and things and just kind of uh, watching, you know, movies like Wall Street and just just dreaming about one day going on to Wall Street. So that was always a fascination of mine. And then uh, studied econ economics in Dartmouth um, and took a couple internships through Wall Street. Uh, started my first job post-graduation doing M&A at a, a boutique M&A shop called Lazard in New York. Um, had a lot of sort of interesting, you know, stories of just watching these deals and high-paced life of investment banking. And uh, it's mostly just a lot of work and a lot of, uh, you know, Excel modeling and reading uh, sort of 10Ks and Qs and things like that. It was very um, educational, but certainly not the glorious, you know, deal-making and all of the stuff that uh, one dreamt of, but learned a lot. And then from there went into uh, – private equity at a Chicago-based shop where I learned to at least start looking at companies from a buy and hold investor perspective, which is a different mindset than a transactional M&A uh, analyst trying to learn the ropes. Um, and then a couple years detoured through the digital marketing world, worked for a couple startups um, in things like pop-up advertising. So it was just sort of the early uh, precursor to AdWords from Google and things, right? Pop-ups initially were just blanketing annoying messages. And eventually they found it was more effective to figure out what people were trying to find and look at and then serve a contextual pop-up. That, of course, eventually leads to things like AdWords and banner ads that uh, understand what you're trying to uh, buy. And so all of those things were interesting. Went to business school uh, at Warren and interned at Newport Beach based PIMCO. And that's sort of where uh, my first um, sort of, uh, I guess, spent some of my first time in the Orange County weather and enjoyed all of that. Um, came back full time in 09. And my first um, job at PIMCO was a product manager for the new ETF business. And so PIMCO, after a long internal 
uh, sort of project decided uh, that they wanted to enter the exchange traded fund market despite never having offered ETFs and despite most of the ETF market being passive investments and all of PIMCO essentially being active management, right? Bill Gross and his team really cut their teeth on inventing total return and being active and buying and selling different types of bonds to try to earn a uh, above average return and earn alpha. And so for them to look at ETFs and decide this is an important place to be, um, that was just a really interesting first job out of business school uh, working with legends like Bill Gross and some of you know the really, really big portfolio managers within their respective asset classes. It was just a really great experience. Um, from there, and we could touch on a lot of these uh, in follow-up questions, but uh, from there, eventually after spending about seven years uh, having grown, helped grow that ETF business at PIMCO from zero to somewhere in the mid $20 billion range, um, Bill Gross was, uh, he left PIMCO in uh, late 2014 and I was poached away, unrelated, uh, early 2015 and joined a Des Moines based company called Principal and had to figure out how they were going to enter the ETF business. You know, many years after a lot of other active managers have started to enter the ETF business. So joining sort of a growing, but, you know, certainly not the earliest adopter as an issuer was an interesting challenge coming at it from a large asset manager, but you know, essentially a startup within a whole different industry was interesting um, and helped grow that business over the span of five years to uh, about a $4 billion business. And then in March of last year, during the depth of COVID, um, just couldn't resist quitting to start uh, what be has become Simplify asset management, a, a brand new startup ETF uh, platform. And Larry and others that uh, you guys have met um, are amazing sort of, uh, you know, colleagues and teammates. And it's, it's kind of fun. And so this is my third platform I get to build from scratch in ETF world. And it's just been a lot of fun. Well, great. Well, Paul, th thanks for sharing all that with us. So tell us about Simplify, what it is you guys do. Sure. So Simplify um, is, is a platform that is trying to help advisors create better portfolio tools, uh, specifically in the ETF wrapper. So a lot of advisors and a lot of investors have embraced uh, the ETF wrapper, the vehicle, as their preferred way to invest. Very tax efficient, very easy to access. And relative to a lot of other types of vehicles, ETFs are also very uh, affordable and effective and efficient. And so for a number of reasons, advisors are continuing to move their current investments into the ETF vehicle. Simplify is trying to focus and help provide access to option embedded strategies. So if you recall the first ETFs in the U.S. were uh, 1993 and offered vanilla S&P 500 exposure. Eventually, you saw fixed income ETFs come out, generally vanilla, but you know, increasingly uh, niche exposures. To today, you have all sorts of different ETFs from thematic uh, video gaming ETFs to very small markets in, in frontier markets to what we're trying to offer, which is the access to institutional caliber 
uh, options, right? So the power of accessing uh, listed and OTC options and derivatives, but in a way that helps manage risks and provides a lot of really interesting ways to protect portfolios, but in a way, again, in a very easy to use wrapper. And so that's our sort of core challenge is to take these institutional caliber, powerful strategies and instruments like options, simplify them, democratize the access and allow advisors to essentially wield um, like the institutional sort of uh, caliber power that a lot of bigger shops have had monopolies around and really bring them to sort of the everyday advisor. So Paul, let's get a little granular here. Um, so do you invest only in options or are these covered calls? Are they done on indexes? Are they done on any individual stocks? Uh, to tell us more specifically what they do and how they work. So I'll start with our largest ETF, and it's it's a good representation of what we're trying to do. Um, we are inventing new ways to use options. So we're not taking sort of existing, you know, types of approaches like covered calls or certain type of hedged equity exposures that are very popular. What we're really trying to do is modernize the use of options. When you think about uh, sort of thought leaders like Nassim Taleb and others who have commented around fat tails and black swans and sort of the craziness in markets, you're seeing that today play out, right? Uh, we were only a few weeks past um, some crazy short squeezes and we're only about a less than a year past a massive and the most rapid sell-off ever in markets. And so um, we, we've seen so much happen in markets and that's not that's surprising given how quickly the market structure is changing. And so everything from massive, passive investors, central banks who are not price sensitive to uh, algorithmic, you know, hyper fast electronic trading programs, um, the whole realm of market structure has changed. And so the result of that are these, you know, significant sort of air pockets where you lose big chunks of uh, value quickly or what are called gamma squeezes. And so all these craziness um, is, is a form and a symptom of um, market structure. And so our first strategy uh, tries to take advantage of this increasing volatility in the markets and sort of instability in prices. And all we're doing is taking a very simple S&P 500 exposure literally in the form of a very popular S&P 500 ETF, IVV, for example. It's a BlackRock product. We're putting that inside of one of our ETFs, and we're just going long, out-of-the-money calls and puts, right? It's sort of if, if the market ramps up very quickly, if the central banks print money, if we see inflation and stocks rip up, these calls help add to returns. So they enhance your upside. And on the other side, we're taking a very scientific approach to find how do we add protection inside of these portfolios? If the market sees another 20 or 30% drop, how can you mitigate much of that? And, and most importantly, how could you put it in a way that's very easy to uh, use, easy to predict what the cost of that insurance wrapper will be and the sort of the cost uh, sort of relative to the possible returns of those options uh, strategies make sense. So it's 98% IVV, 
very straightforward. And then 2% is the sort of sweet spot that we found. If you put about 2% or less of the portfolio in these long calls and puts, i.e. if you create these option strategies that take advantage anytime you see craziness in the market, it's a very, very powerful way to help advisors take advantage and protect their portfolios. Um, and then most importantly today, I think it's an important alternative for people because uh, for the past 40 years, really bonds have played that role, right? I'm a former PIMCO guy and bonds have played the perfect uh, sort of provider of risk mitigation. You are essentially paid to hold bonds as interest rates have fallen and as interest rates were paid, paid out. So you got sort of a two for one when you held bonds, um, the price appreciated and you got income. And they also happened to go up very well when risk assets like equities crash. And so they, they were the perfect sort of balancing uh, asset class for 40 years. The problem today is because we're hitting uh, what's called a zero bounce as we're closer to the you know one handle or in most of the world zero or negative uh, on your interest rates there's just not a lot that bonds can do for these portfolios and so all of a sudden things like options become an interesting way to protect portfolios so these options these long options that you have on there paul are they always on there or do you time putting on the puts or been putting on the uh other calls and and the reason options are so great is because it takes the luck factor a lot of the luck factor out right um we don't need to get lucky in timing we don't need to get clever in timing what we're trying to do is put a passive airbag right uh, put a seat belt into the car and, and so provide a constant investment into this sort of insurance policy catastrophic insurance for portfolios and it's in there like flood insurance it's in there before the flood comes in and you don't have to scramble to find a way to put that exposure on you don't have to hope to be you know just watching that portfolio to press that trade you don't need sort of um, real-time just-in-time insurance like the infamous portfolio insurance back in the days um, the whole point of a put option is that you can find the put option put it in place hopefully when they're very cheap and when the market volatility eventually comes and no one knows when or can't really predict, but you ha if you have these puts on, they naturally kick in and help insulate the portfolio. Okay. So tell us from, from, from a 30,000 foot uh, level here, Paul, what do you believe you understand about option strategies that you wish more investors and advisors understood? Um, I, I think the first is, again, they're very powerful um, aids for portfolios. And so I think in a world where you need protection for portfolios, they're a very, very attractive way to get that. And so there's a lot of stigma to derivatives and options, broadly speaking. But for all the stigma, they also have some of the most sort of cost-effective and efficient and powerful ways to implement uh, portfolio exposures. And so the key there is to understand, again, the risk reward and the benefits and the costs and to find enough uh, sort of, sort of uh, protection without overpaying. It's just like you could always 
over-insure something and you could end up buying an extended warranty on a cheap TV and it costs half the price of a TV. That's not a very effective way of getting insurance. But if you find a way to get it cheaply as part of your credit card or some other, you know, very, very incrementally cheap uh, sort of ex a way to insure yourself, that's great. And so I think as long as you could buy the right strikes, the right maturities, or rely on an expert like us to help provide that exposure, there's a real opportunity. Uh, the conventional wisdom on options is that they're money losers and professionals sell options because you know, you'd rather sell insurance. But that does not mean all insurance is unprofitable or even if this insurance costs uh, money, if as long as it helps mitigate your downside in a portfolio, your overall returns can be enhanced. So if you fall 50% in a portfolio, you need a 100% return to get back to even, right? If you fall 25%, substantially less. So cutting off your downside is the biggest benefit you could sort of uh, take advantage of in these options. And, and again, it often, from a portfolio context, uh, insurance costs can often be return enhancing, even if it feels like from a trade perspective, that option is not. So, so I'm trying to figure out here, Paul, which I have not been able to do the, uh, the kind of market performance that, that would be uh, the most advantageous for your strategy, because, you know, going up or down, but you've got costs. Is it a bull market where it would perform the best because you've got this long uh, call or is it a bear market where you're going to stand out the most? Uh, well, what, what market performance really works well in your strategy? So the perfect market is a volatile market where you have sort of 20, 15, 20% moves in either direction. Um, so anything with volatility increases the value of options because there's more, more chances, right? More probability that one of your options become in the money or closer to in the money. So options do well when markets become more volatile, but you don't need to call a bull or bear market because the way markets work um, historically, about every four or five years, you see a significant 20% type drawdown. It's like clockwork. And so even though you can't predict exactly which year, you certainly can rely on history to tell you complacent markets eventually sell off and and a 20% sell off is a very regular occurrence and every now and then you get the 30 or 40% sell offs. Um, and so that's on the downside. On the upside, you similarly see relatively uh, regular occurrences of 20, 25% up years. And so if you have calls on, uh, those type of markets can pay off too. And so you don't have to, if you use options with the right maturities, you don't have to be able to predict which year it's going up or down, position these options ahead of years. And and if, if any sort of big moves happen intra-year or at, by the end of the year, uh, you're, you're positioned to do better. And even if it does not, you've essentially had, again, insurance and seatbelts on, and that value means you didn't need the bonds or some other allocation to protect your portfolio, and that has value in itself. So uh, could, could we say that using the VIX as, as a gauge here, the, quote, fear gauge, 
Uh, if it's but if it's low, it's good for a bull market. If it's high, it's good for a bear market. So uh, a VIX between 12 and 24 would be the kind of thing you'd be looking for. Is that overly simplified? Uh, it is simplified, but let's put it this way. If you're buying insurance, flood insurance, you want to buy flood insurance 20 years after the last flood and everyone's assuming it's got a 0% chance and they're giving it away, right? When, when VIX is at uh, the 12 or 13, that's essentially that scenario. So yeah. that's the best time to buy any options when when the volatility of uh, the implied vol, as they would call it, right? The price of insurance has come down so far. Um, the worst time to actually buy it is when the price of insurance, the year or during a flood, you're trying to buy flood insurance, you're not going to get a good rate. Um, and so that's the worst time to buy. But there are still ways to uh, sort of take advantage of uh, higher prices of insurance then too. You could sell some as you're buying, et cetera, et cetera, or you buy different uh, levels or maturities to sort of pivot away. Um, so again, partnering up with a firm and a team that has the experience and the expertise to navigate those different environments are great. But rule of thumb, if you're buying insurance, generally you want lower vol. You just want cheap insurance quotes because you just have a higher chance of making money on your insurance bets. Okay. Okay. So what, what are the biggest challenges? This is the third time that you've started <laughs> new ETF programs here. What are the biggest challenges during these quote startup periods of, of these ETFs? Um, I think the hardest part is that first zero to, you know, a couple hundred million. Um, it's, it's when you're trying to establish who you are as a company, um, your approach and differentiation. What story are you going to tell your clients and what problems are you going to decide to help solve? So it's like any other industry, finding your lane. You can't be everything to everyone. So finding the lane that works both from a capability, i.e. internal competency perspective, but also externally from a demand perspective and finding that product market fit, right? It sounds like any other startup industry, finding the right products for the right solution and finding a way to scale it. Um, and it's different for every industry and every asset manager. So at PIMCO, it was entirely fixed income strategies, mostly active, a handful of passive, uh, but it made sense because at PIMCO, their best manufacturing capability are these you know, massive fixed income uh, expertise and desks that allow them to get great execution, find the best ideas, be all over the world and find ways to outperform the average index, right? At, at principle, it was mixed there as well. And they had some great businesses, particularly on the quantitative equity side. And so my products that I eventually launched, a lot of them were equity products and thematic products. As Simplify, our, our core isn't picking the better equity index or picking the better bond or stock. We're saying, no, 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 no. We're not going to really have a good chance of outperforming the S&P 500. That's a pretty high standard to beat. So we'll start with that. And what we're going to do is focus on the tails. We're going to find ways to make that S&P 500, add some bells and whistles to make it better 
not overcharge for those bells and whistles. And at the end of the day, give somebody most the S&P 500, but a chance to, you know, protect on the downside, make a little more on the upside and just create really interesting surgical distributions, right? Around what that asset class can do. And that could be a much more interesting portfolio building block for an advisor than a vanilla S&P. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do is just create different ways to manipulate distributions of asset classes and popular betas, as they call it in, in our industry, and create much more interesting uh, kind of behaviorally tied return streams. And the reason it's behaviorally tied is because people hate losing money. And so if you put some puts into risk assets, it ends up helping people stay in those exposures longer and overall returning uh, sort of more returns, right, for the amount of risk because people don't trade and sell in the worst time to sell and add on the worst time to add because these options are kind of helping people protect themselves or their advisors protect their clients. And so that's kind of, you know, our DNA trying to be very, very uh, systematic, thorough, and uh, differentiated in the use of options. So do you work only with advisors or do you also have uh, direct investor clients? So an ETF uh, is accessible to everyone from the biggest endowments, multi-billion dollar endowments down to, you know, literally my mom and pop, right? So that's the beauty of it. And so most of our clients today are advisors, but we certainly have a fair number of uh, what people call retail investors finding us through the internet or reading about us in the Wall Street Journal or somewhere and, and, and buying some of our ETFs. And so that's the beauty of the ETF vehicle. It's institutional pricing and sort of power all for every investor. They get the same cost, right? Versus a mutual fund that may have a institutional class. If you bring a couple hundred thousand bucks and here's this overpriced class for everyone else, right? So that's another reason why ETFs have done so well. So Paul, you, you have been at, uh, again, some storied uh, schools and certainly uh, professional industry. You've heard people like Bill Gross and, and others talk about investing and investment strategies and philosophy, et cetera. What would you say is the best advice you've ever heard or read about, about investing? And that's hard, right? Because I think investing um, is very personal, right? In the sense that you have to find your own way of doing it. And for the vast majority of people, I think, who, who want to take advantage of the natural rise in prices over time, whether it's through inflation or through the growth of you know, GDP and other reasons. Uh, if, if, if you don't have a passion and interest in really getting into the weeds, I think uh, being a very passive and cost conscious investor, right? And Warren Buffett talks about this and, and sort of all the Jack Bogle and all of those uh, advice, it resonates for a good reason. The Vanguard approach all makes sense. Uh, so books that talk about uh, that side of the investment world, completely on board with that. On the other side, same Warren Buffett that says everyone should buy S&P in index ETFs or funds. He runs a 50% plus Apple portfolio, right? And, and he's a massively concentrated guy 
in his approach and he from a practice perspective loves finding those really really good opportunities and taking a massive swing um and so I think there's that barbell. If you're really passionate and able to get into the weeds and have a reason for investing or, you know, an edge in something that really gets you um, a lot of joy, just like following, right? Thematic ETFs are examples. Peter Lynch, invest in what you know. Those are all great examples. And I think you could find success in both. Um, for the vast majority of people who want to do their jobs, raise their families and watch, you know, movies and just not worry about investing, hire an advisor, be cost conscious, and you'll be fine. Uh, for others, like probably us who love sort of getting in the weeds and looking in the under the hood, um, there's a lot of fun ways to invest that could still be very, very rewarding. And so we think uh, we want to serve both and options can be a big part of both. You know, uh, thank you for that answer. We've asked that question about uh, well, well over 300 times here. And uh, you, you were able to bifurcate uh, the needs of different types of, of investors in ways that uh, not many have. And you, it's usually a one-liner somewhere that, that often uh, does not fit uh, many, many investors. So we appreciate that. Uh, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners here, Paul? Um, I'm a big fan of, and they're old, like the books like Black Swan and, and you know, anything that challenges sort of conventional wisdom. Um, but so business strategy books like the Tipping Point and stuff too, because in, in a lot of ways, Tipping Points and sort of the market recognizing big moves at some point, right? Um, that explains a lot of investing. It's Investing is really about narratives, collective narratives of people, one one day just saying, oh, this is this is the way things are. And all of a sudden the market, right, the vast diverse group of investors move towards a view collectively. That's that's effectively what happens. And so any anything that has non-normal distributions, fat tails, kind of non-linear outcomes, those type of books are great. And then I have to plug my co-founder's book he wrote a book a hundred page book so it's a very skinny one relatively speaking the title is modern asset allocation for wealth management uh dr burns uh he's a brilliant guy mit quantum physics and he wanted to solve asset allocation just like you know a quantum phd would want to solve sort of how the world works and in it uh the reason uh he became a co-founder with me is because he wanted to modernize asset allocation beyond, if you're honest, sort of like what 1940s, 1950s technology and embracing um, not just linear sort of extrapolations, but nonlinear stuff and behavioral stuff and loss aversion and advances in technology and really uh, sort of economics of why people are the way they are and why losses hurt so much. Um, and, and he actually, before we co-founded Simplify together, not only did he write that book, um, and this is why this is such a DNA for us, he provided software for advisors um, to do asset allocation. He gave it away as part of the book. Uh, and it's a really powerful um, software package because it really takes what he's speaking about in the book about, again, modernizing and simplifying uh, asset allocation and putting it into 
uh, advisor-centric and friendly uh, sort of platform. And, and that's our DNA. We want to take like modern science and just, you know, the latest and greatest, but simplify it, make it advisor-centric, try to demystify it, show them what trades are on and why, explain to them why options can be powerful, but also keep costs down and don't overtrade and generally stick to stuff that people know, S&P 500, NASDAQ 100, you know, things like that. And, and try not to sell complexity and take advantage of complexity and do it the other way, which is uh, really help demystify and simplify. And, and again, uh, we have, thank you very much for that modern asset allocation. The author, again, is... It's Dr. Burns, B-E-R-N-S. Okay, well, thank you very much. Well, Paul, this has been very, very interesting. And um, we know that what you guys do, uh, you're trying to simplify things, but you're starting from <laughs> an area that uh, typically has not been simplified. So it, yep. it's got to be a real challenge. Uh, so final words for our listeners here, Paul. Uh, I, I think it goes back to the question you asked about investing. Is I think um, figure out very quickly when you can. Is this how important is investing for you? It's certainly important from an outcome. So it, it's it's something you have to have a view on. And like most things in life, get help if you don't absolutely want to do it yourself. Um, you, you can't sort of passively not literally passive investing but passively and reluctantly just kind of you know get your investment you, you need to have a plan right uh, so much of retirement success and financial well-being is through budgeting and investing and and sort of embracing uh sort of the power of an advisor and financial planner do that early it doesn't mean you have to be wealthy it just means it's sort of like any other things we do where we rely on experts, dentists or doctors, right? It's sort of find somebody to give you a plan and it's your plan ultimately, but find the plan that works for you and your goals and find the right partners. And then along the way, uh, figure out what type of investments or approach you want to, you want to take on, but it, it is very personal and it's something people should go in with a uh, very clear purpose in mind. Paul, uh, for those who would like to know more, where can, where can they go? Uh, you can come to our website, certainly email us, uh, www.simplify.us. Um, we can start there. There's ways to uh, talk to some of our uh, team members. And otherwise, reach out to your local financial planner and advisor, right? They're, that's where they're there for. Um, and, and get that planning going. Okay. Well, Paul, thank you very much for joining us today and our best wishes to you and to Simplify for continued success here. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Paul. Again, we've been talking with Paul Kim, CEO of Simplify Asset Management, a family of ETFs uh, using options, creating hedges for downside protection. I'm Charlie Wright. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We can be reached at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. And you can access all of our previous interviews and shows at strategicinvestorradio.com. We're wishing you today an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. 
Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing.